Welcome to HEP Talks. I'm Luke Kemper, and on behalf of the HEP team, I want to wish you all a happy Easter. If you work in a school, you've made it to a well-deserved break in the school year. But just because schools are out doesn't mean we wanted to leave you without something to listen to. So, while the Monday Brief takes its two-week holiday, we have some exciting episodes coming up, including long-form interviews with Margaret Mulholland on the SEND and AP Improvement Plan, as well as Sam Chrome on the Power of Teams. But today, we're going to rewind a little bit and go back to one of our favorite episodes, one in which Evelyn Davies interviews Mungi Ngomane about the concept of Ubuntu. Now, I'm delighted um, to welcome Mungi Ngomane to Haringey Education Partnership this afternoon. I have to say it's a real privilege to have the opportunity to talk to you and to listen to you, Mungi. Mungi is Desmond Tutu's granddaughter. So the first thing I'd like to say is that we send you our deepest sympathy at his loss um, at the end of last year. Um, And I can imagine what a difficult time it is for you and your family. But we're very grateful that you're here with us today. I had the great privilege of welcoming Mungi to my school in 2019. where she came to talk to the children at Coldfall and the staff about the philosophy of Ubuntu, um, which I think, Mungi, you will tell us a little bit more about in a few moments. And um, it had a a really profound effect, I think, on the children listening to you talk from such a personal perspective about the impact of Ubuntu on your life. And Mungi has written this very inspiring book, which is called Every Day, Ubuntu, uh, which I have to say I've used, I used in my school all the time. It's got it's got fourteen different lessons in it, um, and each lesson is so pertinent to obviously personal life, but also to life in school. And I would read bits to the staff and children on a regular basis, and I felt it was really both eye opening and inspiring to have this as kind of my Ubuntu Bible, if you like. <laughs> so, so welcome, uh, Mungi. It's really lovely to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. So um, we've got a few questions uh, to ask you about the whole philosophy of Ubuntu. Um, and I don't know how many people who will be watching this or listening to this will know anything about Ubuntu or not. So perhaps you could start by just telling us a little bit about what Ubuntu is. What is the philosophy of Ubuntu? What does it mean and where does it come from? Yeah, so, you know, Ubuntu is is the Southern African philosophy centered on humanity and how we're all interconnected. But I think the most important part to start at and, and what I especially like to start out, especially when speaking with kids, is about how all of us just being who we are, are deserving of dignity and respect. And so we just start at that sort of basis that I, as Mungi, am deserving of of dignity and respect, not for any reason, not for anything I've done, just because I exist. And so we should extend that same dignity and respect to all other humans. And when you, you know, sit down and truly respect yourself, it's hard to then see other people being disrespected or for yourself to engage in sort of disrespecting or harming others because we are all interconnected. And so things that happen to others will come back to you Um, and not in some scary way, like, you know, karma, just when people get harmed there, there is a residual effect. And I think 
what unfortunately sort of is a great illustration of this is COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember hearing about COVID in China, I think maybe in February 2020, and I happened to be in London at the time. And I was thinking, huh, is that going to come here? And for a second, I thought, no, and just went back to what I was doing. And then what happened a month later? Of course it came here. Our world is so interconnected. How could something that is on the other side of the world not affect the rest of us? And how could we, you know, try to ignore something like that? Um, And so I think it's unfortunate that COVID happened the way it did. But I think it was sort of a reset and a reminder that we are interconnected. And um, that is sort of the basis of Ubuntu. So, so the kind of main word you would use to describe it is about interconnectedness, interconnectedness of, of humanity. Right. Okay. And where does it originate from? It's from Southern Africa, because as you know, we all we all came from Africa. So you know, the cradle of humanity is down there in South Africa, and in our language, in Kosa and Zulu, it's Ubuntu. But in Malawi and Zimbabwe and Nigeria, they have a few different ways of saying it. Um, I'm not sh- I can't remember what it's called in Malawi, but it's it's around the southern part of the continent. Um, and if you go to another country, you know, they may say it another way, but they understand what you're saying. They're understanding that you're talking about the interdependence of our humanity and and the sort of beauty of interdependence and the it acknowledges the sort of gifts that we all bring together. We don't all have to be the same um, just because we are interdependent. Thank you. I mean, I, lo- I love the um, the greeting in your book, the Sawabona. Mm. Um, and I, I remember Sawabona. Yeah. Sawabona introducing that to my staff. And I just thought, what an important thing, rather than just saying hi, actually to, to say to somebody, I see you, mm-hmm. is such a much more powerful uh, way of greeting somebody and really being able to recognize that that is a, a person in their own right, just as you or I are. So can you tell us a little bit about what Ubuntu means to you personally and how it came to be such a sort of significant feature or part of your life? Yeah, I mean, to my my grandfather and my mother's chagrin, I am not someone that is religious. And so I... I'm a person that thinks we all need something to look to, but religion wasn't that for me. And I come from a very religious family. We have a lot of priests. Um, and so Ubuntu was something that I had always been sort of raised in and not in a way that my mother had said, this is Ubuntu, you'll do this. Just mm-hmm. the way that she sort of lived her life by always welcoming people who didn't have somewhere to go by always you know, making sure that my brother and I spoke to elders the right way that we gave up our seats on maybe a bus or on the tube if someone elderly was coming, just constant respect and and thinking of others was just Ubuntu all around my life. And then my grandfather's example, I think, was more global. Um, and I, I decided it was the thing that I could sort of look to as the example that I wanted to use to be a better human. And, and also it, it's very personal in the way that you have to focus on respecting yourself. And so, you know, it's, I think in this day and age, we, we speak about how we treat others, but if we're not treating ourselves kindly, how, 
you know, how far is, how are we treating others going? If we're not speaking to ourselves kindly, you know, my mother used to say to me when I was younger, what would you say to your friend if this was happening to them? Or please be nice to my daughter if I was, you know, being really hard on myself. And I think Ubuntu is sort of that reminder that yes, we should be kind to others, but we also need to be kind to ourselves. And if we are kind to ourselves and extend grace to ourselves, it's much easier to extend it to others. And that's where I've sort of really leaned into Ubuntu is, is acknowledging that I'm a great friend to my friends and a great family member, but sometimes I'm not the nicest to myself. And Ubuntu has sort of taught me how to be nicer to myself. I mean, it's wonderful to hear that about your about how you were brought up like that with your mum's um, example yeah. um, to you. And then obviously you've gone on to write this really inspiring book. So kind of what led you to, to, write, to write this book? So it's not, I don't know if the word is sexy story. Um, in 2016, after the election in the US, the fateful election, uh, I wrote an article about how it made me feel and how I sort of felt that people were debating the humanity of someone who was not necessarily a cis white gendered male. And a editor in the UK actually reached out to me because they had been interested in exploring Ubuntu and had seen that I had written a bit about it in this article and would I be interested in writing a book. And I think when we first started we had no idea what it was going to look like there. I mean, the drafts from the beginning are nothing like what the book is now. Um, but what I love about the story of the book is that it, it really was a labor of Ubuntu. There were so many people that put stories into it. So many people that helped me write and edit and rewrite and copy edit that my name is the name on the book, but there could be, maybe over 50 names on that book with the amount of hands and love and minds that went into it. Um, and so that really sort of warms my heart that there were so many people involved and that it really is, you know, Ubuntu on the page. I mean, your grandfather was obviously very proud of you writing this book because he's written a, a, a beautiful foreword. Yeah, he was, he was funny. He said, hey, you're a good writer. And I was yeah. like, who knew? Uh, yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> I just thought, I mean, can I just read that little bit he's put at the beginning in the foreword? He's put, the stories that Mungi shares are ones we can all relate to at one level or another. They are the everyday opportunities and challenges we are given to live in the world with Ubuntu. On any given day, we are each offered many chances to be the person who, whether it be through words, actions, or even silence and inaction, who offers space to those we encounter to experience care and relationship. I'm both proud and happy to be able to encourage you to read a book that introduces a philosophy that has meant so much to me, written by my own granddaughter. I believe it will open your eyes, minds and hearts to a way of being in the world that will make it a better and more caring one. And absolutely, that's certainly what it's done for me and for many other people that I know who I've shared your book with and um, sections of your book. So thank you so much for sharing that that with us oh, thank you for um, reading and sharing it and maybe it would be nice just to say a little bit about your grandfather about because I know Ubuntu was very close to his heart how did it impact on his life and how how he applied it you know I think 
people always ask me how how I sort of saw Ubuntu in my life and I and how I learned it. And I I say on the sort of personal level, my mom's everyday example. And then on the global level was my, I think my grandfather's example, the fact that he could have been a person who lived through apartheid, you know, through arrests and death threats on his family. And to then say to a nation, okay, we have to come together. We have to talk it all out, get it all out into the air, but then we have to move on and we have to forgive, I think is such a difficult thing to do. And I don't think I have that strength. So I think that was him finally putting, you know, the he was walking the walk and talking the talk. He was showing people what Ubuntu actually was, what we had been talking about for years as they were trying to end apartheid. He finally showed people, this is, this is what Ubuntu is and we're gonna put it into action because we don't wanna turn out like this nation or this nation and we want our people to have a future um and a a funny story my mom and i were actually telling someone about last week that i think is an example of him and ubuntu is when he won the nobel prize and i put the story in the book it was when the nobel committee was still telling people you could invite as many people as you want and so he said you know this is not just my prize this is the prize of the families that I stayed with when I was at school in London, the people who helped with my children in Swaziland, you know, my friends in the US who had been praying for me and, and brought me over to speak to people. And so he invited, I think, close to 100 people to come to the ceremony. And they did. <laughs> and Unfortunately, there was a bomb scare that night, and so everyone had to be evacuated. But then when they came back in, the choir had left. And so his group, specifically of South Africans, a large group, ended up being the music for the night, um, which was sort of a lovely illustration. But his main thing was that, you know, I didn't win this award on my own. I am not the sole carrier of this award, because all of these people have gotten me to where I am, to where I was able to win this award. And so they are all involved in that. And I think that is the greatest example of Ubuntu. You know, today, everyone self-made this, self-made mm-hmm. that. And whenever I see that, I'm always like, how are you self-made? There must have been other people involved to get to you to where you mm-hmm. are. Um, And so it's really heartening to know that my grandfather, you know, was always aware of the people who were around him, who got him to where he was and who got him to to become the archbishop. And now we do think that the Nobel Committee does um, put a limit on how many people you can take to the to the ceremony. Uh, What a wonderful story, though. Uh, (laughs) And a great example, like you said, of Ubuntu. I mean, I do what you said about uh, you know western society is very much based on individualism isn't it mm-hmm. rugged individualism right now yeah and it's like the antithesis to ubuntu and of course none of us have got where we are on our own so this whole thing about yeah the self-made and moment. why would we want to you exactly. know i've yeah. i found that it's i tell people it's okay to lean on someone if yeah. you have someone that you can rely on lean yeah. on them because you're gonna have tough days where you may not you know, remember how great you are. And so it's helpful to have 
your mom or your husband or someone to sort of remind you in those moments. And, and I need that. So. Absolutely. Well, we all need that. (laughs) So, so I suppose what a lot of people listening to this video will want, will want to know a bit more about is how can we apply Ubuntu perhaps to our education system, to schools? I mean, our education system in the UK is very much based on individualism and competition and each person achieving as much as they can. So I don't know, share with us some of your thoughts perhaps about how we how how can we use Ubuntu in our schools? How can head teachers think about how that can create a different context and maybe um, change the ethos and culture in a school? Um, well, I will start by saying I have no sort of, you know, educational administrative background. So take this as you will. But I think what I would, the part of Ubuntu that I'd focus on is sort of the beauty of our diversity. And it's sort of the strength of, of our world is how diverse we are. And, you know, it's difficult to sort of focus on each, each child's gifts. But I think we sort of need to lean into that um, because they're so different and it does require a patience that, you know, we may not all have, but the achievements that we also do here in the U.S. are not necessarily getting people where they need to be. I I think the best example I can use is um, I have been part of a family that education is very important. And so, you know, I went to university and then right after university, I went and did my master's because that is, that is what we did. And now I'm in a moment where I'm wondering what is next? What am I meant to do? And yes, I've written a book, but I'm still sort of exploring. Juxtaposed to that, my husband is from the UK and he left university after six months. And when I heard that, I was horrified. I was like, what? You did not finish school, you know, to me, like, of course you have to finish school. And he has had a very successful career in tech for maybe the last 10 years and knows what he's doing and has said that he's gotten a lot of his education from people picking up on his gifts and knowing where he needed to be learning. And for him, it wasn't necessarily in the classroom. And so I think we sort of have to figure out what is, I'm not saying take kids out of the classroom. I love a classroom. If I could be a forever student, I would. But I think what we need to figure out is, is what is it that these students love and let them sort of build on that. Uh, I think I said to your students when I was there, if, if there's something that, you know, is in your soul or in your throat that keeps coming up for you, lean into that. So if you want to start some sort of club for recycling, lean into that because look what's happened with Greta Thunberg. You know, there mm. we all have these different gifts. And so I don't know if it's creating some curriculum where they get credits for this sort of entrepreneurial spirit they have as much as for, you know, passing a, a maths test, or if they get credit for there's an organization here in the US called Peace Jam that brings youth and Nobel Peace Prize winners together. And the projects that the youth have come up with to 
be local in their community and bring about peace and, and help others have been amazing. And they've started getting school credit for them. And so it's sort of this outlet for them, I think, for students who maybe don't test well. I test horribly. I cannot do standardized testing. And so I've always tried to figure out a way to get into, you know, school on, if you interview me, I think you would see that I, I'm going to try and do the best I can. But if I'm sitting in a test, my anxiety is going to just go off the roof. Um, and so these kids then get credit for the different projects that they've come up with that Nobel Peace Prize winners have listened to them present and signed off on. And I think that's just amazing because what 12 year old is saying, I met the Dalai Lama and he thought this project was amazing. I mean, the, I think confidence that you would take from that would just make you soar. And so I don't know concretely what to do, but I think it requires a lot of sort of looking at things from a different perspective, as Ubuntu says, and a good amount of patience with, with our kids. Yeah, I mean, I, I love what you say about diversity, because I think that's, and the fact that Ubuntu, it, it, it is non-religious, it's non-political, but it is something that everybody of all backgrounds and all faiths can uh, learn about and understand. Mm -hmm. I mean, in my school, we used it very much as a basis for citizenship and right. character development. And I just felt it had this quite remarkable impact on the culture of the school. And I mean, even all the parents would talk about it because the kids, they 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 learned the word and we, we told them what it meant. And then we, you know, we talked about it on a regular basis. And, and uh, it's such a good word as well. They found it easy to kind of to um, latch on to that word. And you'd hear kids in the playground saying, oh, don't do that. It's not very Ubuntu, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I say that sometimes. I'd be like, oh, this thing funny. I'm about to say is not very Ubuntu of me, but I really need to say it. Yeah. Yeah. And what I love about Ubuntu is that thing about the empathy element about stepping into being able to see things from so many different perspectives and step into someone else's shoes um, and how important it is to teach our children about that particularly when we think now what the things that are going on around the world um, and I you know things like the war in Ukraine I mean mm. it's so important now I think that we we develop that understanding and and respect and love and appreciation of diversity and what you said about the gifts of each child, I think, because we're very much into standardized testing in the UK. I think you are in, in the US as well. Yeah. But we don't want we don't want produce, to produce standardized people. Um, and it and it is all about really finding the things that um, children are passionate about and that they have a particular talent in. And I feel the same with staff in schools, with teachers, that um, we shouldn't give them a sort of straitjacket in the way right. they have to teach again it's about they've got their own gifts and special ways of teaching I always used to say to my teachers we'll give you some guidelines but then it's about you doing it in the way that's right for you and if you're passionate about something you must use that in the classroom um, because if you're passionate about it then that's going to rub off onto the children yeah. children feel it and they see it and I I mean yeah. I still remember my teachers who were passionate about things and and maybe taught yeah. English lessons a little differently because of the way that they, you know, had us read and, and sort of dissect books. Okay, so I don't know, is, is there anything else you'd like to tell us about Ubuntu or any other little stories about it? I think there's one in your book about you and your brother, isn't there, that your mother used to... Oh. 
Yes. She, um, she used to, when we would argue when we were younger, make us repeat what the other one had said to, to see if we were listening and actually acknowledging or if we were sort of putting our own, you know, biases yeah. and, and assumptions on it. And sometimes I did not get it right, what he had said he was upset about. Um, and and it's, it's just a lesson of like reflecting back what someone's actually telling you. Um, and, and, you know, taking a moment to say, okay, did I hear this properly? Because I think a lot of time we're not really listening to listen. I think we're listening to respond. And I found myself, I do that sometimes. And so we need to listen to listen so that people feel heard in the same way that we want to feel heard. But what I think is, I'll end on, and I think is important about Ubuntu is that there's not some sort of, you know, ending where we've perfected it and we've done it right and there's no more to do. And I think that's what I really love about it. It's something where I'm constantly trying to be better and and practice and remember, and it's, it's not going to be perfect some days, but I think we always tell children stories of someone who has sort of made it to the top. And sometimes I don't always think that's, you know, easy to grasp. And so with Ubuntu, it's something that I like to say, I'm, I'm still learning and figuring out. And, and I want more stories of someone sort of in the middle of their struggle or their journey instead of the end, you know, so you feel that you can relate to them. And, and so that is Ubuntu for me. I feel like I'm still in the middle of it and still figuring it out and learning. And so when I speak to kids about it, I want them to know this isn't something that I've, I've figured out. I'm, I'm right there with you sort of in the middle of it. Yeah. So, so it really is a sort of daily sort of commitment, if you like, to, exactly. to, to um, developing yourself. And I mean, I'd, I'd really just like to read a little bit of what it says on the back of your book, but just before okay. we say goodbye to you, because I thought it kind of, of summed up really, really well that Ubuntu is a Hosa, is that how you pronounce it? Hosa, yeah. Hosa, a word from South Africa, meaning that each person's humanity is bound up with the humanity of others. It's a philosophy that expresses belief in a universal bond I am only because you are. Ubuntu means that if we can see everyone as connected to us, we will never be able to treat others as disposable or without worth. By embracing Ubuntu, we live in hope of overcoming division and becoming stronger together in a world where the wise build bridges, not walls. So, Mungi, can I thank you very, very much for... Um, talking to us today uh, for inspiring us with your uh, answers about Ubuntu. Um, It's been really, really lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That was Evelyn Davies interviewing Mungi Ngomane about her book, Everyday Ubuntu, and the concept of Ubuntu itself. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hep Talks. If you liked the episode, please subscribe to hear more educationally related podcasts just like it, as well as the Hep Monday Brief, which brings you up to date with all the latest educational news. I'm Luke, and I hope to see you tune in for the next episode of Hep Talks.